0: Welcome to this edition of Hustle & Flows. I am your host. Mark is a game changer. I have my man Sekou in the house. Uh, Hustle & Flows is an offshoot of the Real Sports Guys Network, uh, RSG Renegade Radio. We're in the house. Hustle & Flows is a hip-hop show where Sekou and I kind of just rap about hip-hop for an hour um, and have a good time. Um, We do this particular edition of hustling flows with heavy hearts. Um, as a hip hop icon passed away last week, late last week, um, fight dog, the five foot assassin of a tribe called quest passed away at the age of 45, um, from complications with his diabetes. He had been dealing with that for a long time. Um, and, you know, finally, you know, that brother's resting in peace. Um, as sad as we are, you thankful that, you know, he, he no longer has to deal with what he was dealing with. But, you know, tonight we're going to talk about the impact of A Tribe Called Quest, Fife Dog that group, on our development as hip-hop fans, um, as hip-hop heads, as people, um, as African-American men. Um, they were a very influential group um, in the context and evolution of hip-hop. Um, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. Uh and the next thing we're going to get into after that, um, a, a kind of a philosophical. we are going to get a little philosophical with the folks tonight. Um, talk, talk a little bit about, and I'll set it up when we get to that point, but talk a little bit about trap music, drill music. Um, is it the modern-day version of blues? Yeah, Think about that for a second. Just think about that for a second. So Sekou and I will dig into that topic. I'm going to bring my man Sekou in. Sekou, how you doing, brother?
2: fantastic man fantastic like you said uh heavy heart but um uh you know the, the 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 bittersweet part of this is you know it makes you pull out the catalog and reminisce and so you know in prep for this pod i've just been digging into a, a tribe called quest crates and it has uh it has been quite a ride so it's been it's been bittersweet you know so Obviously, very sad that he's he's no longer with us. But um, you know, to see the outpouring and the appreciation of of Fife and of what he's able to do with the group has been has been good. I don't know. I've I've felt uh, some some high points, you know, in thinking about thinking back to it because I kind of grew up on Tribe Core Quest.
0: Yeah, and and I want I want to get your perspective because you know I'm slightly I'm probably a little bit younger, and so because of that, try and being from the Midwest, Tribe wasn't as integral. Like, they were important, right? And I recognize Mm -hmm. that, totally own that and appreciate what Tribe is and what Tribe has been um, and how Tribe will continue to inspire hip-hop. But I don't have that, like, ripping open. When I kind of really started to kind of dig into stuff, you know, uh, the Tribe album that came out was uh, Love Beats and Rhymes. Um, and that's probably one of their um, lesser acclaimed albums. Beats Rhymes albums. in Life. Beats Rhymes in Life. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. Beats Rhymes yep. in Life. And then the Love Movement followed that one. Um, mm. And those are probably two of their lesser acclaimed albums. Um, yeah. But that, but you know, but for you, you know, being a little bit older, I think Tribe was. You were there when Tribe was the the group. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that how did how did one you get introduced to Tribe and then how did they impact kind of your evolution as a a listener um, a member uh, a fan of hip hop?
2: Yeah, so um, so you know how do I don't even know, really know where to begin. I guess I'll just kind of say in summary like a Tribe Called Quest is in essence. Um, they, if I, and we did this show a while ago, we, we asked, okay, what is a group that you think identifies or, or, or epitomizes um, hip hop for a decade? And, um, and I think I chose, I'm, I'm sure I didn't choose them, but they were in my, in my running because of the impact they had on hip hop. So, you know, at the, at the time there was a, a strong West coast uh, kind of surgeons, right. With NWA and, you know, so this is 1990 when they came out with um people's instinctive travels and past the rhythm so you know this was just an album that was like um nothing you had ever really heard of before at least i hadn't right so this is "I left my wallet and el segundo can i kick it right which is probably one of their better known songs um that's been sampled by other rappers right it's, it's just one of these things that's been remade i think um, so, you know, that, that's a song that had the call and response kind of really epitomized where hip hop, especially East coast hip hop was at the time And Benita Apple you know, uh, it's just a song that you heard and immediately you were like, I want to hear this more. You know, it had a sample in it. It had kind of this flow that you had never really heard of before. And these two guys kind of going back and forth in a way that, um, really complemented one another. But, um, it, I really started to go deep in with low end theory <clears throat> and then Midnight Marauders. And a lot of this has to do with, I think, for me, I started high school in ninety one. So that's when I started really kind of venturing off of my own in the city, my Walkman, um, you know, buying my own music, kind of sharing music with friends, kind of living, you know, that pseudo adult life that you live as as a high school uh, student and A Tribe is pretty much the soundtrack to those years of my life, right? And so um, low-end theory, um, and you'll hear this written about all the time, I think part of the reason it was so influential is that they really, really tried to make a jazzy hip-hop album, which... You know, if you're coming off of Straight out of Compton and Public Enemy and, you know, music that sounds angry and is fast and is, you know, um, rapid fire at you, and then you have these guys who are, you know, we got the jazz and bugging out. You know, it was bass lines, and, you know, they actually brought in jazz musicians to play the instruments, and, you know, it it just was one of the first and i think a lot of the albums that came after in from the early 90s particularly the native tongues movement and the what we would now call backpack rap was all influenced by that and so Fife and abstract were the the progenitors of that whole uh type of, of of rap you know and so that and then midnight marauders and low end theory are just back to back absolute instant classic Hall of Fame, you know, these; those, those are albums that even if you, um, and if there's, some, you know, younger folks listening to this and they're like, oh, I never really listened to that. If you just listen to some of these songs, A, you probably recognize them when you hear them. And B, you'll recognize how many times they've been sampled, people using lines from these songs, right? So now this has become the yep. source material for sampling. Um, and um, so, you know, so that, and then the second part and the thing that them from great, to legendary is then they did it again. So they had already kind of changed the way people were at the native tongue. They had all these people kind of doing jazzy stuff. And then starting with Beats Rhymes in Life, you get um, what ended up, in my view, being kind of the, um, the roots, the, the, the Uma, you know, production crew. So mm-hmm. Jay Dilla and um, Questlove and that sound pretty much was started with Beats Rhymes in Life. And so if you think about, you know, how many, how far that then stretches. So this is where I think the Midwest um, kind of influence comes in. So it makes sense to me that that might be kind of the the beginnings of your introduction, because that is the kind of style that I think gave birth to anything that's now soulful, anything that kind of is um, maybe dark um, with the production. And so, um, if you listen to any root stuff, Neo Soul stuff from this time, um, stuff that Common did after this, I mean it was it all it was a sound that was created with beats, rhymes, and life. So you have this group that created a sound in ninety one, was, you know, kinda of doing it, had a whole crew, was everywhere, and then created a new sound in ninety six that kind of moved, you know, the hip-hop and still influencing, in my view, hip-hop even now today. So to have within one decade, really within five, six years of, of each other, they these guys that were kind of um, cutting edge, I mean, they, they made the decision, we're going to now sound like this, and people just, you know, were attracted to it and picked it up and kind of ran with it. Yeah,
0: and I think, you know, especially in the genre of hip-hop where... As far as the musicality goes, people kind of put it in the background um, as far as the, the instrumentation that goes on and what you're actually hearing um, behind it. You know, I think true hip-hop fans, that's kind of a – the beats are important, but a real hip-hop fan wants to hear some meat in the lyrics. And yeah. I think hip-hop artists don't get enough credit for the, the musical choices that they made, and Tribe made very um, – very purposeful right very purposeful musical choices as far as as you as you laid out you know going away from the very um you know kind of funk sampling that was going on with like uh the PEs and the NWAs in 91 and kind of going to a more jazzy sound and then coming back and and you know really kind of flipping samples in a very different way with you know, Beats, Rhymes, and Life um, creating a, a even a different kind of, kind of sound um, but they made those choices consciously to like go out and do something different and, and that was what was so refreshing about Tribe was that they definitely carved out their own path because um, you know, and hip-hop oftentimes is the follow the leader kind of a genre, what's hot you know, especially once money came into play and And, you know, labels became kind of looking at it from a monetary standpoint. They wanted to kind of keep everything under control and in the pocket and and really kind of force artists to kind of sound a certain kind of way. Tribe always kind of broke that mold and did something else. Um, And, again, as musicians, right, and that's the thing, that's not a real term we use with hip-hop artists. As musicians, they made some very conscious musical choices um, and I, I think that gets downplayed in hip hop often, um, that, you know, guys just get a beat and then they just roll with it and they, they just rap over it. and if it's a nice rap and the beat kind of mesh together, then they just keep that song, you know, there, there was, there was a definite, um, philosophy, right? Um, I think yeah. it was, uh, I think it was Guru, um, on, uh, Gangstar's Moment of Truth album, um, where, hmm. uh he was talking about uh you know, we have formulas but we update uh-huh. the formulas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little yeah, yep. so, um I think you know, that that that's what I think about when I when I think about tribe, uh, they and I don't know if they they necessarily had a formula, but more of a philosophy. Um, when everybody yeah. else is going straight line they're gonna zigzag. When everybody else started zigzagging and they're gonna start doing curly cues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they always kinda of, tried to distinguish themselves in that way. Um, and that's something that I always appreciated about that. Um, that whole vibe that they had was they tried to be different. Um, and they yeah. didn't want to kind of – and, again, that resonated with me as a young man, you know, as a, as an adolescent, as a teen, like trying to figure out who I was and, and having somebody who was okay being different and being like, yeah, I can be different. They're, they're different. I can be different. You know what I mean? Like what yeah. did – what did how how did the music impact you from a perspective of like your personal development as a as a person your your own personal life philosophy?
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, that's interesting. Um. You know, and I guess this is maybe where you know, Fife and you know, they're a group, right? So a Tribe Called Quest is there are collectives and there are rap crews, but a Tribe Called Quest to me is the epitome of a group, meaning they are back and forth. They are a, a unit, you know, together. And so, you know, I always, and probably anybody, a lot of people can relate to this, and the thing that made Five great was that he loved to kind of just be this, um, this wordsmith, right? And so um, he was a wordsmith, and he had the braggadocio, but he wasn't uh, overly violent. He wasn't, um, he didn't glorify violence, right? And so he purposefully, and both of them, you know, set themselves up as like, all right, we, you know, we grew up in, in Jamaica Queens, we grew up in places where there's violence, but that doesn't define who we are, you know. So we can be respected, and we can be, um, you know, uh, in this in this, uh, this 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 rap world where <clears throat> people at that time were talking about the guns they 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 have and the drugs they sell, and they, this was never something they wanted to do. So now this whole conscious rap, um, which you know, and Public Enemy had done it, but they were revolutionary. They were still fairly violent. Like, these were, I don't know, bohemian, right, for lack of a better word. They were like, look, we, um, we notice things going on in society, we rap about it, but we also rap about life, and we rap about, you know, things we do every day, which is trying to get better at, you know, relationships, women, we go out, we party, you know, all those things that are, are important. Um, and I was uh, listening to uh, Beat Rhymes in Life, this so you know 1996 and we did the 96 uh thing i think the last podcast and so this year i've been going through all these 96 albums and so beats rhymes and life was was uh the album for march and so i've just been listening to this pretty much on rotation and the skits in beats rhymes and life are the things that i remember the most so you know they had great songs but they had these skits where it's pretty much these guys were going out and they were at a party, and stuff was going on at a party, and they were like, man, every weekend we're going out, and we're just drinking, and there's got to be more to life than this. And I don't know if they were really trying to preach, but it's something that I do remember, you know, being at that age, saying, like, there's got to be something more to life than just partying, you know, so what are you going to be about? And uh, so, you know, messages like that, that tribe – put into all of their different songs, you know, and that was in 96. I mean, the stuff from Low End Theory about, you know, um, uh, just wondering about life, uh, just wondering about, um, you know, the industry, what does the industry mean? Uh, Beats Rhymes and Life, they also talked about, you know, East versus West and how they just didn't feel like that made any sense, you know, and so they were trying to be kind of these, uh, the bridge. They were just common sense. They talked about what was going on. Um, but they were not uh I don't think they were destructive, and uh so for me personally, like a tribe was always this uh music that I could go to um when I wanted to kind of equalize because I loved all the other stuff I love quote unquote gangster rap stuff, but um, you know, you can't listen to mob deep every day right like at some point you need a break and uh so the my balance was then being able to put on a tribe called quest and he and be entertained and be just as interesting but not be kind of over the top and not be really honestly you know i just if i could relate to somebody i could relate to abstract and i could relate to fife i couldn't relate to ice cube you know like personally i was like i'm not living that life you know so um there was a bit of that i think that also came into play Right. What about you? you know, Mob deep, stab your face
0: with your nose bone. Sounds good, but I'm not really doing that. <laughs> and I'm not really going to punch you that hard.
1: <laughs>
0: but, you know, I like to hear that. Yeah, yeah. For me, man, and this is kind of one of those situations where, again, for me growing up, not having a dad, a lot of hip-hop artists kind of gave me those nuggets of wisdom that I imagine people who had fathers got you know what I mean, where, you know, those questions that they'd ask or those kind of, you know, like the skit, you know what I mean, like there's got to be more to life than this, than partying and drinking, you know what I mean, like that makes you pause for a second and kind of think about where, like like you said, it kind of makes you think. And so Tribe was one of those, again, it was one of those groups that kind of emboldened me and empowered me to kind of take a step back, be reflective, um, you know, think about, you know, the music and, and and the music itself, you talked about how they were critiquing um, and kind of, kind of take a step back from the East coast, West coast situation. You know, again, you kind of see this drama playing out, whether it's manufactured or not, you see it playing out. And as a teen, you know, I'm 16, 15, 16 at the time, I'm looking at this and, you know, it's everywhere. And they're kind of like, yeah, but maybe this isn't real. You know what I mean? Maybe this isn't what, one, we should be doing. Um, two, this doesn't have a purpose and it's not going to end well. Uh, and so it kind of, mm-hmm. for a kid who doesn't really see, you know, it, I often talk about teenagers, they, they don't really see in front of their shoes. You know what I mean? As
1: mm-hmm. far as their
0: shoes go, mm-hmm. it's kind of what they can see. And it gave me perspective. Um, and, again, it kind of it gave me that balance, right? So you have Fife, who was witty, Kind of clever, um, kind of slick, slick mouth. Everybody had that buddy who was kind of like a, a feist type, who was slick, <clears throat> slick mouth, always witty, sharp tongue, s- smart, um, clever, but still, you know, he he had he had he had a he had a bravado and a swag to him um, that was relatable, right? It wasn't an over the top swag where you know it's about his chain. Like it was just like this is a cool dude. This is the dude I'd hang out with. This is the dude I go to a game with. This is the dude I go to a concert with. This is the dude I'd walk to the store with. You know what I mean? And just hang (laughs) out with. You know, we just sit around and just you know just rap for for a while and just kind of talk about chicks, talk about girls, talk about ball, talk about whatever. But we could do that and it wouldn't feel awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then you had Tip, who was you know more who presented himself as very thoughtful. Um, but still, along the same line of like he had to have, a, he liked to have a good time, um, but a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit different um, stylistically, kind of out there. And for me, these two, a Tribe Called Quest kind of set up for me and framed up for me what would evolve into my love of OutKast. Because OutKast <laughs> is like the evolution of the Fife and Q Tip group dynamic, right? You got Big Boy yeah. and you got Dre who are pretty much clones almost as far as the way they interact on a track dynamically, stylistically. They're almost clones of the Fife Q-Tip kind of relationship, right, as artists. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for me, given the impact that OutKast had on me, like that. That's where I, I I give tons of props to Tribe because they laid the groundwork for there to be an Outcast, um, and they created kind of that that beta that patient zero for what would come after, um, and what I would then fall in love with. Again, I still love I love Tribe's music. I don't have the same connection to it that I do outcast because you, you know Outcast was my soundtrack. We talked we talked about this when we talked about '96. That was my sophomore year of high school, and H.E. aliens was pretty much all I listened to all the daggone time. I mean, it was it was that it was it was bad enough where my mom was starting to know words to the songs <laughs> because I was playing it all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh-huh. it was one of those situations. So yeah, um, but that's kind of what it was for me in my development. It kind of it kind of again justified m- my wanting to be like the cool dude who. You can hang out with, like, he still wasn't going to, like, just run in my pockets or anything like that. But, yeah. again, it kind of gave, it kind of emboldened me to dig when everybody else was zagging. And I needed that. Um, and I think every teenager is looking for that thing that's going to kind of help them kind of figure out which way am I going to go when everybody else is doing this. And, honestly, those kind of artists kind of kept me out of trouble. You know what I mean? Because, you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a, As a preteen, at 13, I moved from Chicago to Wisconsin. Um, And in Chicago, I had all my older cousins. I had that family network, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the oldest of my brothers, and so I don't have an older brother. And so my cousins were my older brother. And when I moved away from Chicago, kind of hip-hop became my older brother because it kind of allowed me to kind of be like, yeah, when these guys are doing this, I'm going to kind of go this way because I'm this kind of cat. You know, it gave me uh, an identity to jump into that I could relate to, but also my peers could relate to and be like, "Yeah, he's not like that." You know what I mean? Let him go do his thing. He does that other stuff. <laughs> you know, he does yeah. that other stuff. You know, let him go do that. You know, so that's kind of yeah. you know, it, you know, you know, it's, it's cliche when people say hip hop saved my life, but I won't say it saved my life, but it kept me out a lot of junk.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, amen, man. That that's. Uh, <laughs> feel like we're preaching here now but um i think it's i think that's accurate you know it's um like you said it's if you're listening to this music or you go somewhere and people are listening to music music brings people together in general and then when you have feel good kind of music that just kind of helps things in general and maybe this uh this will bleed into the second part of our uh our, our conversation but there's two two things but one thing i wanted to ask you that i've been thinking about so this may not be uh for you because uh because of the time you know when you when you came to try but i have had at least a uh eight year argument with one of my best friends about what the best tribe album is and so I uh, i'm a i'm a low-end theory guy there i think it's just one of the best albums period that has ever been put out um, uh, he and he is a Midnight Marauders um, fan, right? And so we, I mean, we just have not, we still don't. Discuss, I mean, I was texting him earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing single things. He's like, oh, are you going to talk about this argument we've been having for forever? I'm like, I might, but you know, you're not going to be on the show, so you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, um, not sure. you know, to think that these two albums were two years apart from one another, and they're both great, and, um, you know, if you just go down the, the line of just the, the songs that the, the reason for Midnight Marauders, the only reason I think you could ever put Midnight Marauders ahead of low-end theory, and I have to say this just because my boy Quick is not on the podcast so he can't respond, is you have to love Award Tour and Electric Relaxation. Those, those tracks were so big and so, you know, just everywhere that you feel like, well, that then makes it the best album. You have to pretty much be, are there home runs? Let me count the home runs. This one has two. The other one doesn't have two as big. That's For me, that's the only reason. Because if you go track for track, uh, low-end theory. I mean, I don't think it, Midnight Rose come close. And you have Check the Rhyme, which I think is still uh, a song that if you put on right now, most folks are going to either recognize it or at least nod their head. And then you have Scenario, which is the best collaborative rap song probably of all time. I was like, so there's two, right? So we to go back and forth on this all the time. I'm still, and I've had people I respect try to convince me on Midnight Marauders, no. Low End Theory, <laughs> that's the best album that's the best tribe album. Um, you probably haven't had these discussions, but it, I, I need to go on record saying that I think low end theory is number one.
0: Okay. So I, I, I can't, <laughs> and I won't because, and I won't because I'm not, I'm, I don't like to, I don't like to go where I'm not really, I'm not dug in. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not dug in on either one of those. Um, <laughs> but what I will say, I understand, like, I, I hear your logic, right? Um, Midnight Marauders, Electric Relaxation and Award Tour are like the, right, you you said it, they're the big songs, they're the anthems, right? When you think of, and this is a topic that maybe we'll have to broach sometime um, on a podcast, That I was thinking about spinning around in my head, like if you were going to go through and list artists, and just what is the quintessential song, like what is the song when you think of this artist that Encompasses who this artist was, what they kind of mm-hmm. their whole style, their whole stylistic approach, their aesthetic, the, musically, lyrically, what one song kind of encompasses everything that they were trying to come across with as an artist. Like everything that they were trying to do is as an artist, they were trying to convey, trying to portray, is in this one track. Yeah, Electric Relaxation and Award Tour are probably those those two songs for in in the running for tribes mm-hmm. like this is the tribe song, right? This is the song that basically, Mm -hmm. if you had to listen to one tribe song to get an idea of what they were trying to do, it might be one of those two, right? Um, so I can understand that with midnight Marauders. I think midnight Marauders was the one So like, there's, and, and this is kind of the deal with, like there's the one album, which I think was people's instinctive travels where like that gets everybody like in, right? Everybody gets in the door, or the the people who are into it get in the door. Then there's a second mm-hmm. album, which is low-end theory, where people who are in the door are like, this is something else. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is big. And then there's Midnight mm-hmm. Marauders, where the rest of the world catches up.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? Like, this is, so
2: this is like uh, Jordan's third championship, where it's like at that point – He's like, uh, he's or, he's been ordained. Like the first one, oh, is upstart. Second one, like, oh, this guy, you know, is really good. And then by the third one, they're like, okay, he's king. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and then it's just kind of accepted. Like, yo, yeah, they're really, really good. You know, they're really, really good. And then, you know, and that's why I think sometimes people hold up Midnight Marauders as a little bit ahead of, because, again, I've heard Midnight Marauders as, you know, put up as one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's, that's a little bit why, because it's that, it's that one where one, everybody was expecting them to come correct and they may have exceeded expectations even,
2: you know, and expectations were the highest for midnight marauders.
0: (laughs) Okay. And they, and they, and they, and they satisfied the appetite. And so then Mm -hmm. there comes that like, yo, these, yeah, these dudes are, it's like, it was anticipated. People were waiting on it it came out and it was just as good as they thought it was going to be, you know, whereas I think people may slight low end theory or downgrade low end theory in comparison to Midnight Marauders because again, the people who were already into them, it validated what they had heard on, you know, people's instinctive travels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So low end theory validated that for those people that got in early. And, you know, hip hop is, and music in general was always one of those things where it's like when it's my thing, it's great, you know. But when these other people start getting into it, hey, I was already listening to this. I was already enjoying it. So you know, so I I can't really I don't want to I don't want to pretend get into details of of yeah. tribe that I don't really yeah, have. stay
2: out of this fight. Stay out of this fight. Yeah, you don't I'm want anything I'm gonna stay
0: back, time, man. man. <laughs> this, is not, this is not my fight.
2: This is not this is not my 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 cross to carry. So um. But one thing um, uh, I do want to add that really got me thinking, and I'm glad you mentioned OutKast because they were who I was also thinking about and thinking about it. I think you have to kind of say this, you know, where do they stack in the best groups in hip hop history? And um, I don't think I've seen any list where they're number one. And I think I know why and it has something to do with the, what we just talked about. It's because, you know, when they're compared to like an NWA or they're compared to a Wu-Tang that had one album that just, you know, it didn't take them three albums. Like Wu-Tang was uh, Midnight Marauders in the first album, right? Like they just came in the scene and just destroyed things. And so they got put there. But I started thinking about another criteria, which is, okay, maybe their first album doesn't match up to someone else's first, first, you know, best album. But if you start going album for album, okay, what's their second best album? Now compare that to another group's second best album. All right, right. there I think you're not going to find too many groups whose second best album, let, let's say second best is Low End Theory, right? Who's, who has an album that's as good as Low End Theory? That's the second. And then third, let's say third is Beats, Rhymes, and Life, you know, which, had, which was a great album. You know? And then fourth, so they had five albums I was trying... And I, I sat and thought about this for about five minutes. I was like, is there another group that has five albums that I can legitimately say all five down the line are better than this one? And the only group that comes close to me is Outkast. Yeah. Yeah, and, so I, and I... you know, and, if, and now, if if you use... You go. No, you go. You got it. Um, yeah, this so I mean, so that is you know, for me, uh, a a detail of they have depth and length, right? So they have these albums that stand on their own, but then they also pretty much went five for five. You know, they went five for five, they hit for the cycle, um, and then they just stopped making albums in 1998. (laughs) You know, they didn't make an album after 98. Um, They just kind of all fell apart. But um, I don't think anyone will ever put them number one, but I, you know, I struggle to think of a, of a group that has the catalog that's, that goes as deep as a Tribe Corps question. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Fife and, and um, Q-Tip just had magic together that just, you know, couldn't be replicated. Even though they ended up falling out after 98 and never really coming back together again, um, they had something truly special And um, I don't think it's been replicated, honestly. Even with OutKast, I don't think it's been replicated in the same way because one of their albums was, in essence, two solo albums. (laughs) Right. You know, so they might be unique, and they might be something that we just don't see in hip-hop ever again. I agree with that point, 100. I I was thinking about that today.
0: I was like, who would be, like, carrying that torch today? And I was at a loss. Like, I could not think of two guys who – and not two guys who just kind of rap together, right? You know, yeah. not two guys that do a lot of songs together. Like, not like the Watch the Throne, Jay-Z and Kanye, where they they do an album together, and it's like a Jay-Z song, a Kanye song, and, and you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like two guys who are like, without this other guy, this other guy doesn't sound as impactful to me. You know, or yep. there's just a, a a back and forth that is natural. It's it's authentic. It, it and it works. And I, I I'm maybe you know of somebody, but I I couldn't think of anybody who I felt like, you know, yeah, that's that's that those guys right there are kind of carrying the torch for for you know for a little bit, kind of little yep. brother, Fonte yep. big pool. that was exactly who I was thinking about yeah but
2: i mean i they haven't they haven't made made an album in a long time <laughs> they fell apart no i mean they so this is yeah. the, the thing right they fell apart um they didn't even get to five albums and they kind of you know they kind of um i won't say fall apart i'll say they uh uh disbanded you know um but they were and they were you know named with that in mind they were the little brothers to Tribe and and De La Soul Public, they were the ones that wanted to carry on the torch of good movement and for you know, the listening and the minstrel show, that is as close as I've ever come to just being in that zone of 91 and 93, like those two albums to me were just magic and then yes. after that it you know, <laughs> so that's why yeah. it's like it might just be <laughs> the nature of the game right now is you will not see a group make five albums together, like a true group make five right. albums. It just may, not, it just right. may not happen again for 40 years or something like that. And so, that's part of the the bittersweet part. Like in listening to this, I was like, this is great, man. This I, we should really cherish this. This is going to be like the Seinfeld of hip hop. Like there's just never going to be a show like Seinfeld again, just because Seinfeld came along at a time when you could have a network show that everyone watched. And I was like, now, are you ever going to have a group, two MCs, that truly make music together that'll do it for nine, ten years? Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I,
0: I, I, nothing's impossible, but the chances are really, really slim, given the climate, you know, and just the way yeah. the game is right now. Um, so, you know, RIP to Five Dog. Um, You know Tribe will always Be You know In the conversation As one of the Greatest groups In hip hop history Um, And I think That's rightfully That's their rightful place Is always in that conversation If they're not At the top of your list You have to give consideration Um, As you said Five strong albums Um, And the list goes on And, And I mean They changed hip hop They had a lasting impact on generations of of hip-hop artists and hip-hop fans um, long after they, again, long after they stopped making albums. Um, One of the things that was kind of tongue-in-cheek interesting to me was, that white people loved us with Tribe Called Quest, man, all my white hip-hop friends was losing it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because it was safe. I mean, you're, you know, in in 93... That's part of the reason I think it it got to where it was is they were like, "Oh, you know, we can play this and it won't seem awkward." Right? <laughs> like right. these guys are artists and, you know, we can kind of relate to them. That's Yeah, they they uh they got a lot of love. I went to, you know, a uh, very white college and um they love Tribe. That was uh that was their thing, which I appreciated cuz that helped bring us together. You know, we had that common ground. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but
2: hats off to
0: to Q-Tip and Ali and the whole crew for carrying on. And um, you know, we'll miss Vice. We'll miss Fife. Any 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 last words before we close out on on
2: Tribe Called Quest and Vice? Man, just he was a a, a lyricist, hip hop artist, somebody that. Uh, every time I, I, his words will be with me for my entire life and i think he knew that as an mc um i saw him uh, perform so you know they did um a performance in november on uh, the tonight show and um and i had saved it and i had never watched it and uh yesterday i just scrolled through and i was like oh i watched it man i was watching that thing like yeah i got to stop watching this i'm getting emotional right so um yeah. so it's that level um you know, but definitely rest in peace, and and it'll it'll his music will live through his fans for a hundred years, man. So um, you know he did he did his he did the he 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 got the most out of his time on this earth, and so for that you know I'm just grateful.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: you listen listening to Hustle
0: and Flows with Sekou and Marcus, the game changer. Uh, we are in the midst of a great addition uh of the show we are going to transition our conversation um and i'm going to set this up and you know this is something i just wanted to have a conversation i just wanted an idea a concept i just wanted to throw out there because you know there there are a lot of things and we could probably do a single podcast on just this one topic or topics like this um so we'll do our best to kind of condense and have a nice conversation in the next 20 minutes um, my wife is an educator. I'm an educator. My wife is a teacher. She was at a hip hop education seminar um, here at the UW Madison. It's called Hip Hop in the Heartland, um, and it's something that they do annually, um, where they bring in kind of guest speakers and talk about how educators can incorporate um, hip hop, either the art itself, into their curriculums, or um, how they can incorporate hip hop from a cultural perspective. Right, A way of thinking, a way of understanding things um into their classrooms, um, and so one of the speakers, and you know she came back and she was like, You know, she's married to me, so she we're gonna talk about hip hop and just some of the ideas that were Um, thrown out there after when she got back. So, you know, we started talking, and she was like, oh, and this one presenter, and I don't want to be – I'm not critiquing a presenter because I actually didn't hear their their presentation, and I didn't read any of their work, and I haven't seen any of their research or, you know, really uh, have a great understanding of kind of their their theoretical premise um, just based upon kind of what my wife presented. Um, The general premise was today's modern-day trap drill music – um the kind of future Migos, chief keith kind of sound um is the equivalent of blues. Um it's modern day blues. Um and the way it was presented to me was that the one of the core premises was the same social conditions, um the oppression, the marginalization, uh the socioeconomic constraints upon African Americans in urban environments and even rural environments um, is no different, and that music comes from that same vein, um, comes from those same conditions, um, and draws from those same circumstances. And so, um, you therefore the, the the presenter was kind of making this this jump in correlation. So that got me to thinking, and I wanted to pose this to Sekou, do I really – is it on any level, not just on the presenter's premise, but on any level, do I think that that – and so me and my wife started going back and forth about it. Um, And before I give my perspective on it, because I've had a couple conversations about it with people, I presented this idea to Sekou when we were preparing to do this podcast. what are some thoughts you've had around it um, as you've had a couple of days to kind of think on this?
2: Um, so I always try to be open-minded <laughs> with ideas. I mean, that's the academic in me. I was like, okay, let's take this seriously. What would it be? Um, and so there are, there are plenty of similarities. And um, so besides it being just an African-American music form, Southern roots, um, it's uh it's it's raunchy and parts right like purposefully as blues was right blues was the music where there was a lot of innuendo you know it was raunchy for the time right like raunchy now and raunchy then are different right so i, I try to control for that um it's about personal ill like things people go through personal woes um so there i get and then the the, the nature of the music itself is i think uh, tr- you know, like trance like it's, it's, uh, I-, I don't know how to describe it. Like it's, 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 it's a kind of music that kind of sucks you in and you kind of sit within it, right. You don't listen to it, you know, like blues, it takes you over. Otherwise you're not really listening. Um And I think the same is for this music, either it's just noise or you're like really feeling it. And so there's a lot of emotion there and all that stuff. So, those similarities I can see, but <laughs> content-wise and, and, you know, the larger it's, you know, uh, an offspring of the, the current, you know, a black experience, sh- sure, but, you know, is it just, you know, Blues was also about pointing out things that need to be changed, you know, so pointing out oppression in a way, not saying we're, or we're oppressed, like things need to change, and you know, uh, we're not getting what we what we deserve and that kind of thing. It's almost like you could imagine, like, uh, it's not revolutionary music, but it was like expression of kind of a larger black issues. And I do not think that trap music is that. You know, I don't think it is a explicit, hey, here's what's going on. I think it's got some of that there, but people look at the music form as a – result of a bad situations that exist in Chicago or bad situations that exist in the South. And that's why, you know, the trap is a place. The trap isn't like this imaginary thing that was made. So the trap is a place and why does the trap exist? So we can kind of get into that discussion, but I don't see it as music that tries to help overcome the situation. Whereas I saw blues as a kind of music that, um, wouldn't necessarily change things, but it wasn't meant to inspire more blues. It was meant to kind of say like we're all in this together, but we'll sing about it and we'll feel better afterwards. I don't know if I would say the same thing about you know trap music.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you, you kind of fell in, in, into a place where I, I similarly found myself, and I always try and find. I always try not to be that dude who's like. You know, and I have friends who fall into this particular situation from time to time where they're like, these kids nowadays, man, these rappers nowadays this, these kids nowadays that, the radio this, the radio that. And, and I'm like, pause. <laughs> you sound like mm-hmm. the people we used to tune out. <laughs> and so, like, I <laughs> tried to immediately not dismiss it. You know what I mean? I totally tried not to dismiss it. um, And really tried to give it some thought, and, and enough to ask people's opinion I valued, as far as music goes, what they thought of this concept because I didn't want to be just completely dismissive. As I began to kind of formulate my own ideas around it, um, one thing that kind of really stuck out to me was the authenticity of blues. And Mm -hmm. that's where I kind of saw a divergence within the theory, right, is that I don't know if some of the brothers who are – and this is this goes from knowing people who rap, who are in the industry, who are, are rappers, who, you know, have a persona. Um, mm-hmm. And not that blues artists didn't have personas, right? They did to an extent. But I'd say if you're talking about, like, persona to, like, who the real person is ratio, blues artists, when we're talking a historical perspective of blues, I would say it was 80-20, Right? of it was persona for showbiz, and the other 80% was really experience, life, Um, them, right? And I think with some of the young folks who are making the trap music, the drill music, I think I would probably go, it's 25, 75 the other way, right? Mm -hmm.
1: 25,
0: Mm -hmm. they're in it, and that's really an experience that they've had. And 75, um, it's a persona. And that's where I kind of just caution folks from giving, I think there are moments, right? I don't think the entire, I I, I don't like the idea that the entire genre, like I think there are moments. I think there may be a song here or there, but I, I can't, I can't, cosign on the entire genre being modern day blues I think it has moments where it captures those impulses that culturally exist within the experiences Um, but I just I can't sell myself um, just because I don't think the authenticity is there I don't think that you know a good chunk of folks who are making this music are living that struggle Mm. Not to the extent that they, they they portray. You know what I mean. Um, so that's so where.
2: Let, let me ask you this question: um, Do you think that is the result of just the fact that people are getting wealthy off of rap in a way that people were not getting wealthy off of the blues? Right They're, if 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 in you know the forties, uh, you could. You know people were coming into uh Mississippi and saying, like, "We will give you buy you houses in x y Z if you can come up with some good blue songs. You might have a lot of folks who were living okay all of a sudden talking about how you know the wife ran away and the dog died and and the child has gout you know so I mean, is it just <laughs> that uh <laughs> is it just that there's incentives now that are kind of uh, skewing things because if it's just an authenticity, maybe you know you shed away all the people who are in it for reasons other than the art form. But what you get might be the number and the and the same kind of sentiment that you had with the blues when it started. Yeah, and I and, and that's where it, again because
0: then that's the, but then that's the other piece of it for me. So like you know, and this is the this is kind of me when I'm trying to understand how hip-hop works in an educational environment, right? So, like, for me, I always had a problem with people trying to bring hip-hop into educational settings because I felt like they always brought non-relevant music, right? When it came down to, like, talking about, like, they could talk about the culture and everything, but then they brought music that was just not relevant to the kids that they were trying to get to grasp, whatever it is they're trying to grasp. They brought in stuff that the kids just weren't listening to. Like, they're not listening to to what you just played for them. Like, Like, so give me an example example just so
2: that I I know, I think I know, but give, give me an example.
0: Right. So I'll try, I'll try to think of a concrete example. So, you know, let's say, you know, I, I, before I worked there, I'm working in high school the last two years. Prior to that, I worked in a middle school. Um, you know, so that was the first five years of my career as an, as a public educator. I'm working in a middle school. Um, a teacher wants to play, uh, uh, a hip-hop song about positivity and unity. So what do we bring in? Black Eyed Peas, Where's the Love, right? It's a positive song. Yeah. It's corny. It's not yeah. what I would listen to. <laughs> but if you're trying to find a positive hip-hop song, that is, it has a good message. No parents are going to write any letters, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody's going to complain uh-huh. about you playing this song. Um, but that's not what the kids... Like, You're. I, I feel like... You're, you're actually creating a gap because now the kids are like, "Yo, you listen to that?" <laughs> <laughs> like you think this, Destroy is what I your want. Credibility. Like, this is what positive music is supposed to sound like? Like I don't want to hear. Like it's okay, you know. I you can play it in the background while I'm doing my little art project, but I don't want to. I'm not gonna. This is not, not what I'm gonna play in my iPod. You know. So mm. that that's an example. Like I feel like you know. Yeah, but, and so that's where the authenticity piece comes into play because if you're going to try and draw this connection and make a connection to blues and then try and get kids to understand the blues from today and then you're going to kind of like I don't know I feel like it's not the same thing it's not the Mm -hmm. same thing and when you frame it up that way for young people it kind of convolutes the point that you're trying to make it kind of it kind of loosens up the point that you're trying to make or the connection you're trying to make Mm and That always I feel like if you're gonna have a real conversation about it, you gotta go there.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? You gotta bring in, yeah. you gotta you gotta find the stuff that they're into and make the connection. Um mm-hmm. and I feel like if you mm-hmm. if you started to really kinda of get into some of the stuff that they're into there's a lot of there's a lack of authenticity in some of the things. Now, I'm not one of those people that I listen, Rick Ross, he was CEO. I still like his music. Yeah.
1: You know Yeah.
0: Like I I I and I told my wife, I'm not that dude. If you can rap well, I will listen to you. <laughs> I will listen yeah. to your whole first <laughs> album. I will listen to it. And I will make a decision at that point. Yeah. Like I will listen to you first. And if you can rap well, I will say I not really I'm not really into what he's talking about. Like Eminem. Eminem I think mm-hmm. is one of the most gifted rappers in the world. I love my mama. He hated his mama. I can't relate. <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't own any Eminem, physically own any copies of an Eminem album because as talented as he is, I just couldn't relate to his music that way. You know what I mean? Like, it just wasn't, can he get down? Heck yeah. You know, do I want yeah. to hear him on somebody else's stuff? Yes. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Am I am I a fan of the Marshall Mathers LP? Nah, it's just not. I, I listened to it like twice when it came out, and I just never, I just never ever had the urge to listen to it again. I just never ever had the urge to listen to any of the songs again. One, they were everywhere anyway, so that was that's part partly a piece of it. But I just I never get in the mood where I want to be like I'm sorry, Mama. I never, I, I never want to sing that song. <laughs> like that's just
1: mm-hmm. never what
0: I get into. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not that I'm not coming at it from that perspective. Like, well you know, these young guys just aren't doing it the way it was done when I enjoyed it or when it really connected sure. with me. It's just, you know, I don't see the authenticity within that to connect it to something that I know was authenticity was a very, very important piece of it, right? Like, Yeah. Like if I'm comparing trap music to just any other hip-hop today, it don't I don't care if they're real or not. Can they rap? You know what I mean, I don't care if they actually lived it or not. But when you compare the blues, I think it has to be authentic if you're going to make that connection for me. Um, and even guys who are doing it well artistically, you know, I don't know. I, I don't feel I don't feel confident enough to be able to say that it's as authentic. And I think with blues authenticity is it's it's one of the most important parts of it. You know, it's one of the the mo- the, the key elements of it. And you're right, there wasn't the monetary piece, and I think the monetary piece pays. Um, The financial piece plays a huge part in it. And, you know, that's what I was kind of telling my wife. I was like, you know, a lot of these guys are doing what Jeezy and TI kind of did in 2002, 2003, 2004. The sound is different, but they're basically kind of taking derivatives of that in that vein, right? And is that really what they are about, or did they just take what they did and kind of tweak it a little bit? Because they thought they had success doing that. You know, and so they're chasing the mm-hmm. buck, and I ain't mad at nobody for doing what they got to do to chase the buck, right? You know, there's certain things that I, you know, there's a certain line you got to draw, but making you mm-hmm. not, it's not awful. <laughs> if you're going to find way yeah. to make a living, I'm not mad at you. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I, I, I stand with it, and that, that's kind of where I came out on it, is that the authenticity, that piece of it, um, I don't know. I just that—that's a piece I—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm battling with. I see. I and I—I I agree. I see the connections, um, all the connections okay. that you laid out, um, the struggle, the telling of stories, the speaking of the you know, the reality around you, um, the conditions that created. It. I I get all that. I get all that. But then there's that authenticity piece, like, 'cause we know. I mean, it's—it's it's not always there, right? That's not really, and that's not really. It doesn't have to be there, right? Mm-hmm. I think that was different with the blues.
2: Good thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so so you said uh, I, I was thinking a couple of things. I guess I I'll say this. So about the the hip hop and education aspect, I agree a thousand percent um, that you know you will get laughed out of a classroom playing Black Eyed Peas you know, to a bunch of kids, they're going to say like, and that was just an what? example. I,
0: I, I, was, I was trying to think of something maybe even more, more, a more, a
2: more relevant example, but that was, the, that was the one that kind of stuck nope. out in my head. That was, from, <laughs> from that was perfect. Yeah. That was perfect because that <laughs> is exactly the type of thing where I'd be like, oh yeah, that'll get you clowned. Like, cause it's, yeah, technically it's a song that's top of the charts and people probably know the words too, but they're not playing that, you know, at home or on their way home. Um, so there is, um, you know, uh, on Twitter, there's a, a, a group, the a collective that I kind of follow called uh, Hip Hop Ed. And um, there's a brother in New York, uh, went to the same high school I went to, uh, Chris Emden. And uh, they do a lot of discussions about this exact topic. So um, how to incorporate hip hop and those kind of things into the classroom in a way that's, like you said, authentic, not corny. Also. And he actually has a book. Um, hilariously titled for white folks who teach in the hood and the rest of y'all too. So, um, (laughs) so someone is on this, they're they're trying to make it happen and trying to change people, um, you know, one Twitter conversation at a time. So uh, it's not been done well, but I think there's some folks who are really doing it in an actual, in an authentic way. Um, And I have a good friend of mine who was uh, a rap artist, um, for a long time and now works in high school and so you know his students will find his stuff on YouTube or whatever and be like you did this he's like oh yeah and now all of a sudden they are way more interested to hear about what he's got to say about things right because he's kind of got the street cred and so I think there's a way for it to happen but for the most part it does not happen probably the way it needs to but uh, as far as authenticity we we need to probably uh, set some time aside to talk about this because um, I think blues, for sure, I think hip-hop, though, was based on authenticity. I mean, this is like the uh, real, keeping it real. Like All we talk about is authenticity in hip-hop, but yeah. Yeah. what is authentic shifts, right? Particularly when being rich and having money lets you kind of float past that. And I think, you know, the poster child for that is Drake right now. And probably for a while was Puffy, where it was no one really thinks he is about that life, right? No one really is under those illusions. But because they are successful and because they have a lot of money, that gives them the ability to kind of enter into fields with probably cats that wish they weren't there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So what's authentic – What's authentic I think is uh is is we wrestle with all the time. So I, I, I will agree with you, however, I think, you know, blues, um, I would compare it to hip hop in general. And I would say trap music is probably the raunchiest no no good blues. Right. That that's maybe the more accurate comparison. Like comparing blues to trap music, I don't think is a good one. I compare blues to hip hop, the genre as a whole. Right. And right. say, well, there's a part of hip hop that's really, you know, kind of twisted and dark, and you know, the whole bunch of all this stuff. And maybe there's a part of blues that's like that that we just don't know about.
0: So maybe right. that's
2: maybe I just don't like the analogy because I think it's you're taking a small slice of one thing, comparing it to a whole nother thing. And I think you know, it's app, it's not app, it's apples to oranges.
0: I I agree, and and maybe that's that's kind of at the core. of Kind of my feeling is that you know. And again, I, I can't. I want to dig into the presenter because I didn't hear their presentation. But you know, if this was a way to kind of legitimize talking about trap music in class, just talk about trap music in class because your kids are listening to it, <laughs> right? That's legitimate. Yep. Leap right? out the bad words. That's legitimate words, within itself. It. right? Yep. Right. That's legitimate yep. in itself to to because it, the kids connect to it, right? And that's what it should be about. Like, so let me let me take what you are already into. And walk you walk you from that to this thing that I'm into, or that I want you to kind of know about. And on that journey, we're going to hit all these stops on the way. And now I've educated you on something, you know what I mean? And I, you've educated me on something as we've gone. You probably pointed out some things that I didn't, I wasn't aware of. And that's the exchange that you just do, right? You don't need to make these kind of weird connections to to do that. And I know that's harder yeah. for for others. Um, I know that's harder for folks to do. But ultimately, that's what it comes down to. That, that's what you're trying to do. And and so, you know, I, I I always, you know, when people try and stretch, I think, and try and find ways to legitimize bringing hip-hop into a, a classroom, um, like, just do it. <laughs> do it. Because the kids are into it. And if the kids are into yeah. it, that is legit. If your kids are into bachata and salsa, then you've got to bring some of that into the classroom, too. Why? Because <laughs> your kids are into it. <laughs> And that's yeah. what you're teaching. You're not teaching math. You're teaching children,
1: <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So,
0: you know, you're teaching children how to about math, but you're teaching kids, right? That's the primary. That's who. That's what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, we'll, we'll revisit it. We'll revisit it for sure. sure. Um, and I look forward to having more conversations like that as we go through. So it was interesting. I'm gonna try and look up. Uh, give a plug to your guys uh, on Twitter. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's something so... that folks may want to check out.
2: Yeah, hashtag HipHopEd, E-D. Um, You can go, uh, what's the website? man? Now you caught me off guard. Um, If you look that up, uh, the brother's name, last name is E-M-D-I-N, Christopher Emden. I'm probably mispronouncing that because I've actually never said his name out loud. So uh, my bad, Chris, if I I butchered that. Um, But um, they're uh, kind of on Twitter and they have kind of these group discussions using the hashtag. But um, check out his website, HipHopEd.com. Um, and especially if you're an educator, uh, if you're that educator that's talking about uh, blues and trap music, you need to get yourself hip hop edited. No, I'm joking. Uh, you know, but uh, check that stuff out. And um, um, I strongly recommend him. He's a good dude. Uh, went to one of the greatest high schools in the world, which is the same one I went to. And uh, you know, knows what he's talking about. He's at Columbia now, so you know, he's kind of a smart guy. All right, all right. Well, that'll do it
0: for this edition of Hustle and Flows, uh R.I.P. the Fight Dog, Long Live the Tribe. Um any last words,
2: say cool. That's it man. Let's uh let's go. Um, you know, this, with him gone and uh I know this is way off beat, but chandling like, I mean cats are, are just not around, you know. Don't get comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Go go see that group. That you've been thinking about, man, am I going to go see XYZ? Go see him. Spend that money. Um, because, uh, you know, you're not promised uh, forever. So, he, Fife was working on albums. You know, he thought he was going to be around. So, um, you know, so I guess uh, that's the lesson to take away from this, I guess.
0: Absolutely. Cherish the moments. You know, even the best laid plans become unraveled. So, yeah, man. Till next time. Game Changer and Sekou cool. signing off. Hustle and Flows. You know how we do. Peace. Peace. 18- plus.